This morning, uh, I'm going to carry on with that series that I began last week called Resolution. And uh, uh, I've just got a a slight apology to make right at the start. If you remember, one of the things that I said was that um, when we come into a new year, often we ask this question, what should I do about me? And there's actually a bigger question that that often we don't ask because I I looked at what happened with Nehemiah because we get so absorbed with our lives and, and, and we're comfortable and we're okay and we're happy. And, but that bigger question is what should I do with what's around me? What should I do to help with what's around me? And, uh, I shared a a story and, um, about how God really spoke to me when I, uh, went to Cheryl's dad's grave to put a wreath on the grave. Now, at the end of that, I, I made this comment, um, that, you know, for, for, for some of us, statistically, that's our last Christmas that we'd just seen. Now, I didn't intend to wipe out the entire UK entertainment population by being prophetic in that way. I just want you to know that. I want you to know that David Bowie was a big hero of mine. And one of the things I learned from uh, him, you know, there's lots of rubbish stuff you could learn from him, but one of the things I did learn is it's okay to be me. It's okay to be me. The, the big thing that, I mean, okay, he's not Jesus, but the big thing that David Bowie did is he, he communicated to people who didn't think it was okay to be them. And I want you to know this morning, before I even start preaching, that God says it's okay to be you. You don't have to be anybody else. And you are special and you are important. And I, I just wanted to say that up front. And where we're going this morning is we're going to look at another question. Because one of the things that I've discovered, uh, part of Accelerate, is a lot of the way we, we raise and, and, and draw things out of people on Accelerate is to ask questions. And, you know, like that's, that's God's way of raising people up and releasing them. You remember uh, Job asked him a whole pile of questions at the end of the book of Job, and God says, what's God's response? He asks Job some questions and sends him off to think about them. That's how we get changed, is by asking questions. Now, I'm, I was driving in this morning, and, uh, you know, all these jolly people that you hear on the radio, and I, I got the radio on, and it says that tomorrow is Blue Monday. Do you know what Blue Monday is? Apparently, it's the worst day of the year. We all go miserable, want to slash our wrists and all the rest of it. So Monday, tomorrow, apparently, is the worst day of the year. And, and, and I just heard this, and I heard God just say to me, actually, tomorrow's my best day ever. Because I go from glory to glory, so be- tomorrow is better than any day I've ever had. So how about joining me on it instead of the guy on the radio? Amen? Now, when you come into a new year... We, we, we sort of split down into two groups of people. Um, you know, we, we, we like to divide ourselves up, don't we? So for these purposes this morning, I'm going to divide us into two groups of people. And you'll recognize yourself in them. If you don't recognize yourself in them, ask your best friend or your wife or your husband, and they will recognize it for you. And these two groups of people are called dreamers 
and realists. Dreamers and realists. So when we go into a new year, we tend to approach the new year in one of those two ways. And so dreamers, uh, which I'm one of, we approach it on the basis, this is going to be my best year ever. This is a fresh start, a clean start. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this year. There's some brilliant opportunities, incredible opportunities. I'm going to be able to do things I've never done before. I'm going to see places I've never seen before. That's a dreamer. Okay? The realist says, you said all that last year. (laughs) Basically, dreamers say, wow. And realists go, so how? (laughs) That's the way they think. Now... Both of us are really important, and both of us are right. We're just at different perspectives. We need each other in that. We need, we need both. Um, and, but what I want to do this morning is, whichever of those two you are, that lens that you look at the world actually shapes your picture of the world. It's like having glasses on and either you've got a red tint or a rose tint or you've got, the, you've got a blue tint. And, and, it, and it shapes your picture of the world and that shapes your actions. And I'm going to try and get us this morning to see if we can look at the world through this new year through a different lens. Is that okay? So, ultimately today, you're going to go away with a question because... That's really how God's had me put this series together. You're going to go with a question. And, and if you answer this question and take it seriously, I believe it has the possibility of changing the trajectory of next year for you, of shaping next year different than it would already have been, of altering things for you. If you'll take this question seriously, I believe that by the end of this year, your life will be different. Okay, so we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 5. I'm not going to get there for a little while, but if you want to get your, 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 your page out. And this new, this new lens that I want you to put in, so I want you to get your, your, your life spectacles out, flick the old lens out and put a new one in. And I'm going to call this, and it'll sound all um, jargony at first, uh, I, I, I'd like to apologize for that, I don't want you to think like I, I, I want to be sort of some sort of motivational speaker or anything. I don't. But this is how God said it to me. So if it's how he said it to me, I feel I have to say it to you like that same way. And so I want you to start and think about viewing next year through a lens called possibility. Through a lens called possibility. And for, for realists, so if you're, if you're the realist and you sat there and you're going, well, I've already got six questions... If you're a realist, we need those questions. We, us dreamers like me, need your pushback. We need your, your grounding in, in, in the situation. But I want to say to you, if you're a realist, don't make the transition from realist to pessimist. Don't make the transition from realist to pessimist. And so many of us find it easy if we're realists to make that transition 
And so the pushback that I would give you from a dreamer is don't do that. Come up, see things differently. Don't let the enemy slip you into pessimism. There is a reality, but there is no need to be pessimistic about that reality. Now, for, for, for dreamers, I've got something for you as well. So I'm saying this to myself, okay? And, and for dreamers, what I'd say about this is it's okay to dream. It's important to dream, but don't let the dream be an illusion. Put some steps around it. You, dreamers, you need a plan. You need the realist to help you give you a plan about how you're going to see your dream. And, you know, as, as a dreamer, I... I I have dreams of faith life. I, I believe in the call of God on the people here and this body, this family. And so my dreams, I, I, in, in my dreams, I see faith life grow. I see bodies healed. I see lives changed. I see souls saved. I see Every individual in this room grow into a, a deeper relationship with God. And, and I'm out there dreaming. And I'm out there seeing it. And I see us within, you know, not, not too far distant future. I see us growing in size to the extent that we have to plant a church. And that's why we, we raise people up through Accelerate. And that's why we want to release people. Because we want to be ready for the change that God wants us to do. And wants to do through us. And as a dreamer, that's how I think. And as a dreamer, I believe that's possible because I'm looking through this lens called possibility. Here's why possibility is so important. Why, here's why it's so important that you use that lens when you look at shaping your life and the way you see life. Firstly, possibility sees a better future. Possibility sees a better future. If you don't look through this lens of possibility, effectively what you're doing is saying, this is it. We, we are victims of circumstances. We're victims of whatever happens. Nothing's ever going to get better except by accident. But when we start to think what is possible, we open ourselves up to see a better future. And not only that, when we, we open ourselves up to think, well, what is possible, we open ourselves up and allow for a better us. Possibility helps you see a better you. Um, a lot of people who don't think through this lens of possibility actually think, I am who I am and this is it. I'm just, you know, whatever's happened in my life, whatever's gone on, 10 years ago, five years ago, or this week, we think, that's it, that's the shape of my life. And it isn't. But to realize that, God wants you to look at what is possible. Now, that might all sound sort of, uh, sort of general. And you might be going, well, okay, well, how do we see that in God's word? Now, this is the third point I'd make. So possibility opens up a better future. It helps you to see a better future. It allows you to see a better you. But the real reason it is so important is that it's the way God thinks. God thinks not in terms of what he sees, but in what isn't seen yet. 
he sees in terms of what he wants to bring about. He sees in terms of glory. He sees in terms of the growth of the kingdom. He thinks things that aren't here yet. And he says to us, don't just look at what's in front of your face and what's happening right now, but see what is coming, what I want to bring about, and what is here, what is coming into your lives, what is coming into your families, what is coming into this church, and what a difference it's going to make to this city. And that's how God thinks. Now, just just show you this. These are some of the things that God said about himself. Can I have the first one? This is, this is what the Bible says about God. Now, you, you, you might go, well, I, I don't know if the, all that stuff. But this is what God is saying about himself. Take it or leave it. He says, with me, with God, all things are possible. God looks through this lens called possibility and he goes, that's possible. We're going to have it. Because with me, all things are possible. In Isaiah 55, he says this. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And my ways are higher than your ways. Now, some people get all depressed about this. They go, well, that's saying you can never understand God. And you'll never hear him. And and God just does all these random things. And nobody can understand it. And we just need to trust God. The problem with that is, it's wrong. God is a covenant-making God. He set out to make promises he intended to keep. So therefore, we can rely on God. And the problem is, people quote that verse and stick it in books and preach and, and never bother looking at what the context of that verse is. God is actually telling Israel about how far they have wandered from him and how much in rebellion from him they are, and he's calling them back. And he's saying, hey guys, come up to my level, because you can. My ways are higher than what you're doing. My thoughts for you, what I believe about you, what I believe is possible for you, what I believe is possible in that context for the nation of Israel, is it's a higher destiny, a higher thing that... that, that Your life can change. And that's what I believe about you. And I want you to start seeing it. I want you to start seeing it. Here's something else he says. Look not at what is seen, but at what is unseen. What God's encouraging us to do there through through the, the Apostle Paul is he's encouraging us to say, okay, this is where we are. Realist, this is reality. But don't stay there and let that reality define you. Because with God, he's the creator who can create new things. So hear his voice, see where you're meant to be going, and believe him for what you cannot see now. Faith life. We have a destiny. I have a destiny. Gemma has a destiny. Rob has a destiny. We might not be able to see it in its fullness now, and our life might not look like it now, but God is calling us to look at what that destiny is, that possibility for our life. Here's something else he says. Set your minds on the things above. What does that mean? Well, 
forget the things above things. He's basically saying, uh, look at look at what is look at what is possible. Look at what what it's like in my kingdom. Look at what it's like where I live. But the really important thing there is that set your minds. You have to choose to look at things through the lens of God's possibility. Setting your mind deliberately, it's a deliberate action, it's an intentional action, that you make a choice to look at things through God's, the lens of God's possibility. Setting your mind on it. That's God's like lens change verse. Now, if you're thinking, well, okay, I don't, I don't, just don't get all that. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't accept this. Well, if you, um, if you don't, if you believe, if you don't believe something's possible, if you don't believe any of what I said is possible, you are correct. If you don't believe something's possible, you're correct. You know, um, when we started Faith Life, there was eight of us sat in our dining room. Um, I've related this story many times. Les and Joyce will remember it because they were there and Gemma was there and me and Shezza were there. By the way, Shezza is her iPad gaming name. I just thought I'd expose (laughs) something for you. That's, that's where she plays Funky Farm and all the rest of it. Yeah. And, and we were there, and we, we decided after a couple of weeks that we were going to call ourselves Faith Life because we actually needed to do something out of faith, or there was still going to be eight of us sat in a dining room in 20 years' time. And we, we came to the conclusion, we said, what should we do? And we said, well, let's believe God for something big. Let's believe God that he can create not just eight people, but he can create a family that will impact this city. And so we, we, we decided to do that. We called ourselves Faith Life, and we decided we'd hire a venue that took 70 people and spend £15,000, which we didn't have at that time, on PA equipment and music equipment and stuff. And, and some of it is still alive today. Not much of it, but some of it is still here today. The speak, pardon? The important stuff, the, the speakers and the desk are still alive today. Now, Looking through the lens of possibility for this year, and I, I, did, I did throw Peter Curveball on this yesterday morning, I think it's time now we start, because what I said at that time was let's buy some equipment that will take us to a church of about 150 to 200. We now need to think beyond that because that faith reality has come. We looked through possibility, we believed God, and we've seen it. I said to Pete yesterday, we now need to set ourselves up for, for more than one site with stuff that will take us to a church of 300. Because that's what I believe God has for us. That's the lens of possibility. Um, this whole I Am project, incredible. I'd be mean, like, I had no idea Heather was beavering away on, on, on this. She'd mentioned it. And, you know, Honestly, over the years, lots of people have mentioned things to me and I never get to see them because they never happen. And, and I'm just, I am seriously impressed with Heather because she's beaming away at this. And I saw it on a desk one day, and as you do, I went and had a nosy. And I thought, actually, this is really, really good. And then I had a meeting with her this week and, 
And I found out that she's already been out, talked to schools, she's got other youth groups involved, it's all organised, and she came back to me and said, can I have a budget? And I'm going, how big? How big do you need? Because that, that's what we want. That's what we believe for. We look for possibility. Things that make the change. I'm going to introduce you to two guys now. Um, these two guys, they have impacted the lives of everybody in this room. Whoever you are in this room, you have felt the impact of these two guys. Can, can we show them these two guys? They are. Those two men have changed your life and they change, they have changed the world, those two guys. Now, you've all gone like, who are they? Some of you know who they are, but not many of you actually know who they are. But they have changed every single life in this room. And they had no business doing it. Because they weren't skilled enough to do it, and they weren't equipped enough to do it. These guys, they would have done really well in Cambridge because they had a bicycle repair shop. And um, their hobby, and, and I normally laugh at people with this hobby, is they were bird watchers. Yeah? A lawyer, a lawyer I, I, I know in London, he's a bird watcher. For, for us accountants, lawyers are funny enough to start with, but when they're bird watching lawyers, that's just a bit much. But these guys took it one step further. They, they, they went out, they, they watched the birds, and then they drew them. And they were sat there one day, and one of them said to the other, you know, I think if we did something that shape, we might be able to get off the ground. These two guys are Orville and Wilbur Wright, the Wright brothers. They had no qualification for anything. In fact, there's a quote in a book that was written about them that I, I, I found. That I, I, I came across uh, all this idea from a guy called Jeff Henderson that I, came, I was listening to by accident preparing these talks. And he, he pointed this, this quote out in his book by David McCulloch. And this is what it says. In no way did any of this discourage or deter Wilbur and Orville Wright any more than the fact that they had... This is what you want in, your, in a biography about you, isn't it? You have no education, no formal technical training apart from fixing bikes, no experience working with anyone other than themselves. They were recluses. They, they didn't like hang around with the local trade functions and whatever. No friends in high places, no financial backers, no government subsidies, and little money of their own. Apart from... The entirely real possibility that at some point they could be killed. That's, that's a realist gone pessimist writing that, isn't it? But they changed everybody's life in this room because they saw a possibility. And they acted on that possibility. There was a guy trying to develop flight at the same time called David Langley. He spent £70,000, which was a lot of money then, didn't get off the ground. Orville and Wilbur Wright spent less than £1,000 and changed the world. That's the power of seeing what is possible. Now, this is where I'm getting on to. And I'm talking to the realists now and the dreamers. In whatever you do, 
you need to define reality. They invented flight. They found the way to fly. They were the first men to fly. They have changed everybody's life on the entire planet, apart from Benedict Darkwas. Because <laughs> he's oblivious. <laughs> he, he, he's still swimming to Ghana when he goes home. <laughs> right, in, other, in whatever you do, now listen to this carefully, you need to define reality. You need to say, this is where we are. But... You don't let reality define you. You need to define reality, but faith people don't let reality define you. So how do you make it true for you? How do you, how do you get into all this? Well, you ask a question. So I've got the first question for you this morning. This is not the big question. But my first question for you is this. What do you think is possible for you in this new year? What do you think is possible for you in this new year? For instance, uh, do you think it's possible you could take steps towards sorting out your finances and not spending money where it's eating your finances away, but getting your finances on an even keel? Do you think that's possible? Are there, uh, and so if you think it's possible, then you've already taken a step forward. That's your first step. Now, put some more steps to it. If you don't think it's possible, you are correct. What about, do you think it's possible, for those who, who are married, do you think it's possible that your marriage could be better this year? Do you think there's things you can do to make your marriage better this year? Is that possible? If it is, you've taken a step forward. If you don't think it's possible, you're correct. Do you think it's possible that you could do some things that your health could improve this year? That you could be healthier and fitter? Do you think that's possible? Do you think it's possible that you could get past some of those emotional things that have been crippling you for years? Do you think that's possible? Do you think you could, you could get some help with that that would, would help you take those steps? Do you think it's possible that spiritually you could grow this year? Is that possible? If you believe it is, you've taken your first step. If you believe it's not, you're correct. Here's my question for all of us. It's, this is an aside. It's not in my notes. What do we believe is possible for faith life this year? What do we believe is possible for faith life this year? And I was sat praying before the service, and, and God really ministered to me, and he, and he said that this year we are going to see people really step up into the anointing and call of God on their life. And I believe that's possible. I believe that's possible. And I believe when we see that, we will see lives change. And as I said last week, Cheryl and I are addicted to change lives. That's why we do this. We are addicted to change lives. And that's why we do this. And we believe that's possible. So, whether you're a dreamer or a realist, I've got a bigger, better question for you. Okay? I, one or two people came back to me last week and said the question I said at the end of it was, was actually too challenging for them and, and, 
and, and they've been bothering about it all week and God's really been working them over on it. Well, I'm trying to look for that sort of impact this week, so I hope you're not going to get disappointed. And if you haven't recovered from last week again, you're going to get hit again by God. How's that? Right, this is, this is a bigger, better question. It's not a bigger, better question because of the content of the question or the what of the question. It's a bigger, better question because of who's involved in the question. And if we get this question, like I said at the start, this question, if we look through this and see this question and act on it, has the ability to transform your year. Now, I know that's a big claim, and I know that's the sort of thing pastors say at the start of the year, but it's true. Now, here's the bigger, better question and I want you to look for who's involved in it because that's the only way it works. Here we go. What does God think is possible for you this year? What does God think is possible for you in this new year? Now, what we're looking at here is what does the creator of the universe think is possible? What does he think can be done? What does he think is going to happen? Now, let's look at God's answer to this question. It, it might take you by surprise a little bit when I give you this question, but you'll see where I'm going. If you put your hand, your finger in Galatians chapter 5, you probably wondered when I was going to get to it. This is your moment. However, let's have a look at what God thinks is possible. God thinks these nine things are possible for you this year. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is God's action plan for changing your life and changing the world. He believes that those things are possible in your life. Now, if, if, if there's people who don't believe in God, then I think even... even if you're in that place and you go, well, I'm not sure about this whole God thing. Even if you're in that place, you're still, I bet you would like, if, the, if, if, if there is a God, I bet you would like him to be that sort of God that's going to produce that in people, wouldn't you? Rather than one of them horrible thunderbolt and lightning gods or one of them that gets drunk all the time. You know, we've got a proper God who, who cares about us and this is what he wants to do in our lives and this is what he believes is possible. Now, what's that got to do with resolution, the New Year's resolution? Every single New Year's resolution that you could dream of relates to one of those nine words. Every single New Year's, and, and you're all like zoning in, and, and the one we all go for, because it's the one that's first, is self-control, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's the one we'd all really like first. But actually, we don't really want that. We, we kind of like the loved one, because that's cool. But... But the one lot of us need January the 1st or January the 2nd or January the 17th is self-control, isn't it? But we need all of them. Every single New Year's resolution you can think of relates to something on that list. And there's a reason for that. Because God wants us to see it's possible that our future is better than our now. And the way he does that is he says, the way I can make these resolutions possible is I want to work on your heart. Now, when I said last week, how many of you made a New Year's resolution? I got 
no answer. Like nobody apparently had made a New Year's resolution or nobody was willing to own up to it in case I asked them what it was. Or, or, or probably more to the point, none of us, we've all stopped bothering because we can't keep them. And the reality is that God is the only way we can change. It's the only way we can keep things. We have a thing called willpower that we all, re- that, that we all rely on whether we believe our God or not. The trouble is that, that, that God said, but then scientists have now proven, is that willpower erodes. You wear it out. You have a limited quantity of willpower per day, and once you've used it all up, you're dead in the water. You've got none left. And that's when you hit the chocolate. <laughs> or the wine. Or whatever. Because your willpower's worn out. It's a limited quantity. And God said, well, you know, what's, what's different about being a believer then? You're not relying on your willpower. You're not relying on your willpower. You see, the way God goes about this, he said, if, you, if you're New Year's resolutions and what you want to see and what you think is possible and what I think is possible is going to come to pass, then I'm going to get involved in the process. And the way he gets involved in the process is to work on our hearts. Because if you think about it, if your heart changes in line with your resolution, you will do your resolution. The issue is, is a conflict between your heart and the resolution, and your willpower runs out. But if God can change your heart so it's in line with the resolution, you'll manage to do the resolution. Are you still with me? Good, because that was my hardest point. That was the, the most deepest technical point we're going to get. All right? Now, for instance... If we want need our finances sorting out, he's going to give us help. He's going to help us what? What does he believe is possible when he gets involved in your life? He believes self-control is possible. He can help sort your finances out. He also believes kindness and goodness are possible. If there's some things you need to address in your life, he's going to give you the character and the qualities to be able to address that. Faithfulness. That's something we need to sort our finances out and walk godly. God wants to get involved and make it possible. What about your physical health? That's the self-control one. That's the self-control. I, 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 I think sometimes God needs to put flip sides on that. And, and instead of just saying self-control, it needs to be uh, mobilization of bottoms towards the gym control that sort of thing but you get you get the point what about worry and anxiety god says i believe that i can produce in your life joy peace peace god believes he can produce peace in our life and deal with worry and anxiety and stress he believes he can do it that's what he believes is possible for you and for me What if you're offended or hurt? God believes he can produce joy and love and peace and goodness in your life. That's what he believes is possible in that situation. So when you think about it, that is a staggering list of possibilities. It covers everything in life. So if God can do that, your world can change this year. You can change this year. You can allow for a better you and see a better future. How does this work? Well, let's have a look. Let's have a look at the verse. 
How is it possible? Let's have a look. This is what it says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and I love this bit, against these there is no law. That means nothing can stop them if you want it. Nothing's going to get in the way of this if you want it. Now, the reason God thinks all that is possible, and the reason it is possible, is because of this thing called what? The fruit, there's a clue on the, on the slide. The fruit of the Spirit. You see, what he's saying there is that Jesus believes that if we'll stay in relationship with him and we'll focus on him, he can produce that in our lives. Not by our willpower, but by his Spirit. That's something that that theologians call grace. The power of God at work in us to bring about a different us. So God believes he can produce that. He can produce all nine of those. And because this is about heart change, God knows that he can only produce that in relationship with him. So a priority for us as individuals and as a church family is relationship with God. That is number one. Relationship with God. Work on our relationships with God. Let, let, let Spend time with him so he can produce this in our lives. And that's why our vision going back to sort of some basic stuff, our vision for the church is not to lead you into a growing religion. Our vision for the church is to lead you into a growing relationship with Christ. And we, you know, then we try and we, we organise ourselves to allow that to happen because our focus is on relationship and growing in that relationship. So the way this works and I, I, I sometimes refer to it as the dynamics of the spirit. But basically, when you're a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit becomes one with your spirit. That means that if you will deliberately use that limited resource of willpower to determine that you will spend time with God and focus on growing in relationship with him, you are choosing to live in line with what the spirit in you, that is one with your spirit, wants for you. Now, because God doesn't force anything on us, when we choose to live in line with the spirit in us, it gives him the authority to change us. When we choose not to, he doesn't and can't. You see, the power of the Spirit in us is released when we make a choice to what the Bible calls walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. We walk through that lens of what God wants to bring about in our life instead of through the lens of what's happening to our life. 
and what's happening around us. And God says, if you'll do that, there is a power available to you that is going to change your heart and change you so that you have a better life and a better future. That you are a better person because I believe it's possible I can produce this in your life if you will choose to walk by my spirit. That's the dynamics of the spirit. If we choose not to, we are correct. Nothing will happen. We'll be left with our exhausted willpower and by the 29th of January, we'll be stuffing our faces with chocolate. And that's the way it works. I've got nothing against chocolate, however. Despite my daughter's best efforts to tell me how bad chocolate is for me, I've got nothing against it. And I haven't eaten any in my car at all in recent weeks or anything like that. You know, I'll just let you know that. Okay, here's what I know about these nine things. Other people want those nine things for you. Your family want those nine things in your life. Husbands, your wife wants those nine things in your life. Wives, your husband definitely wants those nine things in your life. Friends, your friends want that in your life. That's what I know about you. Anybody think I'm wrong? So however you feel about it, there's a whole room of us here wanting that for you. <laughs> now, this is what God said to me to, to bring to you, and, and this is what challenged me about that thing I, I was listening to. Forget the nine. I want you, and this is, the, this is what... God wants to show us. This is how God believes this is possible for you this year. Forget nine. He wants you, every single person in this room, to focus on one for this entire year. That's where the power is. To focus on just one. Can we go back to the previous list that it's not left in the... Focus on just one for an entire year. And you'll find there's power. You'll find that when we get to... If you'll do that, you will find that by the end of this year, your life will be different. I guarantee it because God says that is possible. Now, just something. Don't pick the one you're already good at. I just say that because all the rest of us don't want you to pick that one. Okay, you've got to pick the one that's going to be the, 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 the thing you need now. So if you go like, I have a real problem because, I, you know, I find it quite easy to love people when they're for me, but I find it really ridiculous to think I should love them when they've upset me or annoyed me or hurt me. If that's you, guess which one you're picking? You're picking love. Yeah, that's how it works. So, here we go. Look at the nine. Everybody look at the nine. And as you think of 2016, which one, which one are you going to pick? 
Look at the nine, which one's for you? Yeah, you don't have to call them out. <laughs> now, for some of us, we might not know. Joyce wants us all to know what she <laughs> is the one for her. Um, do I agree with Joyce? I think, I think you could do with all nine. You focus on all nine, Joyce. We're all right. <laughs> Gentleness, yes. That, uh, not, Leslie's nodding loudly. Yeah. Okay, so this is the way this works. Look at the nine. If you don't know, it's quite clear. We've just had it demonstrated to us. Thank you, guys. Your spouse will know which one you should concentrate on. Shevel's going, he needs to do all nine. Now. <laughs> um, if, you, if you're not married, then your friends know which you should be concentrating on, even if you don't. Do, don't. Go and ask them. Go and like... Well, I, I was thinking maybe this one, maybe that one. I, I just really don't know. And they go, it's that one. That's what you need to do. Now, don't be offended. That's God speaking to you because he's asked us to do this. And, and, he, and if, you, if you don't know, the other thing I would say to you, I mean, we, we're going to revamp this in a couple of weeks, as you know. But I would say if you're currently in a life group, go and ask your life group what they see would be really helpful to you. So... This is what God's asking you to do. Choose one. Join a life group so you can get help in walking that one and be accountable for the outcome at the end of the year. Choose one. Walk it in community. Be accountable. If you'll do that, you will see that that lens of possibility has become a reality for you. Because God believes this is possible for you. And that's what he wanted me to say this morning. He believes this is possible for you. And he believes his method of doing it this year is to concentrate on one. And if you, if you go like, well, I don't know what to do to concentrate on that one, then come and ask me. We'll help. Email me. Whatever. Like, how do I concentrate on this one? I picked uh, kindness. I'll help you. I'll tell you how you go about developing kindness in your life. From God's word. That's what I'm here for. So, I'm going to finish there. And if I finish there, you will be annoyed with me because you're going to say, what are you doing, Mark? <laughs> what are you doing, Mark? Which one is yours? <laughs> Aren't you? Neil Perm still sat there thinking he needs all nine. <laughs> 18, <laughs> double portion, double portion anointing, 18 of them. Okay, so which, which, do I, which am I doing? I, I've, I've spent years on the first one. I think God has exhausted me on the first one now. I'm not picking love, not this year. I like that one. Jevel likes that one. She likes the flowers that go with it. But I'm not picking that one. Now, Here's, what, here's what's happening. You've all got an idea which one I need to pick. <laughs> yes, you have. Don't fib. Don't fib to pastor. You've got an idea which I should pick. Fortunately, for me, you haven't all got a say. <laughs> Just before Christmas, um, I went up to visit my mum and dad, as you know, uh, my mum and uh, Went and put the wreath on Shell's dad's grave. And, and while, while I was there, I was staying in... I didn't stay with my mum because there's all the floods in Kendall. And I stayed in a, in a little pine lodge. 
And each night I'd go back and spend two or three hours just with God because I needed some restoration. I needed some uh, just time for God to minister me. And, and each time I, um, I did that, I didn't seem to receive anything. And, and the only thing that came out of it, that, that moment, was the first thing God said to me is, war is coming. War is coming. Now, there is a pressure in society on the church that is growing. The church is entering in the first stages of the battle. We can see that. You can see that in the news every day about what is happening and the, the increasing pressure on the church in the UK. And he said to me, you need to get faith life ready so it not only stands, but it takes ground. And I said, how are you going to do that, God? Because I've been trying for nine years. And he said, I'm going to get you to pick one. And the way I will fight my battle this year is peace. Peace is the one I have picked. Peace is what I'm asking God to manifest in my life. Peace is what is in there. If you've been um, seeing some of the stuff I put on Facebook, um, Cheryl and I have been spending quite a bit of time just letting, for, for a while now, just looking at how God restores the soul. And the way he's working with me is to get me to look at peace. He put it a different way to me. Um, and you, you might have seen I've put that. Uh, he said, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life so you can connect to me. So the one for me you can hold me accountable to is peace. 